What's up, everyone, and welcome to Project X Talk, an Xbox podcast, episode number 153, presented by Save the Game Media. I'm your host, Kevin, and on today's episode, we're talking about Phil Spencer's comments regarding AAA games and why the future might not be so hot. Future Game Pass price increases, Banishers has been delayed, Sega has canceled stuff, and we got more layoffs to talk about. Before we get to all that, let me introduce my co-host each and every week, Jampack Sam. How you doing, buddy? What's up, man? Doing very well. It has been a busy week, but I have been playing a uh, a couple of really cool games. So mm-hmm. uh, that and the uh, and the news cycle has been popping. Not quite as leaky as last week, but we have some good stuff to talk about. Yeah, we. I think a few of our news stories trickled out from the the leaks leftovers. I like to call them that way. We, we didn't catch last week or came out after the fact, but definitely not as a huge of a a news week for xbox compared to last week but that's fine we got some good stuff to talk about i'm excited for our patreon post show that we we have something fun planned for that so if you if you want to go over to patreon.com and support us you can get those exclusive post shows and get early access uh it's over patreon.com slash save the game media choose the cheers right for you uh i'm gonna do our patreon pitch right now so thank you to our current patreon supporters bucky blue fabulous brianna brianna's mom brianna's brother brianna's wife nikolai knight cypher primus brendan myers marcus o'neill lillian mimi J, the snack network david highright dave harp the xbox expansion pass alpaca tom and lee navarro thank you for your support we appreciate each and every one of you i don't usually do it in that order but it felt like a good uh transition there so if you aren't over on Patreon, we're live every Thursday right here on YouTube, and you can catch us on audio feeds every Friday morning for your drive into work. While over there, make sure to drop us that five-star review as Apple Spotify does help us grow. And finally, to round out housekeeping, we have announced our Extra Life Grand Prize. It is the Spider-Man 2 PS5 Collector's Edition, all $250 worth. I'll be giving away to one lucky person to enter Go to our Extra Life link down in the description. For every $10 you donate towards charity, you will be entered for a chance to win. Every $10 gets you one entry, so increase your chances to win by donating more and more to help us raise money for sick children. Just to clarify, wanted yes. to jump in. So, there's this 19 inches of venom you're telling me. Yes. All right. Yes. yes. If, awesome. if you want 19 inches of venom hand delivered to your address and then brought inside your home for you to enjoy i will make that happen for you all right let's do it for the kids of course for for the kids yeah. mainly for the kids of course. mainly for the kids yeah. yes uh <laughs> so now that we've got the housekeeping out of the way though i want to know what, what have you been playing my, this week my guy Oh, so after finishing Starfield, I went on a bit of a tangent, went over and played Halo Infinite last week. We had the Tenrai 3 event. Um, But this week, I got into a couple of indies that have been kind of on the back burner for me. I wanted to play Solar Ash. They came to Game Pass a couple of weeks ago. We covered that. uh, And it was a really good time. It was not a super long game. It was about six hours or so, but really satisfying kind of, I guess, low-hanging fruit puzzles. Like, it's more timing-based and just Mm -hmm. making sure you're kind of hitting your jumps and landing your spots. But um, really enjoyed the vibe of that one. Have you played um, Solar Ash yourself or not? I haven't, no. I haven't checked out I haven't checked out any of their games. I've always been interested. I think the art style is really cool um, for what that studio is doing. I just never got around to playing any of their games. Yeah, I know that Hyperlight Drifter is, like, their game. That's the one they're most well-known for, to my knowledge. And... I don't know if Solar Ash is up there with the notoriety of Hyperlight Drifter, but it was still a good time. And as always, if you've got Game Pass, 
Uh, it's a really good way to dive in and play some stuff. But the other game that I've been playing is the cat game game of the year for, I think, 2021 or whatever, whenever that came. Out. I think it was last year, 2022, 2022. Yeah. Uh, so I finally got back to playing Stray. I bought it when it came to Game Pass for 20 bucks because it has that like 10 percent first week discount or whatever. Um, and I, I didn't get around to playing it just because Starfield came out and it was, you know, right there hot and heavy. But uh, finally playing Stray and it is very interesting okay i want to hear your thoughts because i've played it i played it on playstation okay it is not a game of the year i'll tell you that right now <laughs> there's no way this is a game of the year um but i like it for what it is i think that if you are looking for something that you're just going to plow through and just check off the box this isn't that game but if you're somebody who likes going through and talking to every npc exploring every nook and cranny figuring out oh i can hop up to that ledge from that ledge to that ledge and i can unlock this memory that's up there it's a cool exploration game but you've got to be in that mode to not just plow through it and like check the objective boxes off but i'm having a good time and i'll probably wrap it up this weekend i think so that's where it's, I'm at. it's not very long i think it's i think i rolled credits in like five hours but i didn't search like every i didn't get the platinum or whatever so i didn't do like every single thing you could possibly do in the game um it was it was a fun experience i'm glad i got it on ps plus because it was one of those like it's not really a platformer because most of it is like you hit x and then the animation plays yeah. right it's instead of like me actually having to do something i think the puzzles are fun i think the world is really nice and it does have some good uh emotional beats in it especially if you like cats which i do but yes, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it for, for what it is. I, I will let Jeff Keeley know, not game of the year. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a, so it's got gorgeous parts in it too. Like visually, it's very impressive. And I think for 20 bucks on Xbox, like it's a really good get. It's a good indie. Like it's scratching that itch for me. So uh, yeah, finally playing the cat game. But um, yeah, what, what have you been up to, man? What you been playing? So I rolled credits on Disney Illusion Island with uh, the girlfriend this week. I think our I think our total playtime was four and a half hours. So it's a okay. very very short game, but it is uh, forty bucks. I got it for twenty four, sold it for twenty four. So it was basically a, a yeah good experience for me. It it gets pretty difficult at the end with some of the the enemies like the amount they throw at you. It almost a uh, bullet hell esque for some of the things like dodging uh, to get like during the platforming sections for boss fights but the the metroidvania-esque part of this game isn't like it's baby source metroidvania so it's very go here just jump over enemies there's no real combat what i really liked about this game was the boss battles i think the bosses use the abilities you get in really creative ways it's usually you'll get two abilities boss fight two abilities boss fight and they always they always um put in those abilities that you just had. So like one was swimming through stuff and using your jet propeller to hit something at the boss while you mm. were in the water. Nice. I really like the boss fights in this game. That is the highlight for me. Uh, absolutely fun time. Story, don't care about it all. It was basically a Saturday morning cartoon if you've watched Mickey Mouse. So not for me there, but I'm glad I played the game. But the thing I've been putting most of my time into this week is EAFC 24. Nice. So the game comes out tomorrow. Um, I got the early access uh, edition, which, you know, do I regret dropping a hundred dollars? Probably. But will I do it again next year? Maybe. 
maybe. Nice. Um, so this is obviously EA's first one without the FIFA license, and they've done their own thing. It it's different than the last FIFA, but it's not the drastic departure I kind of wanted it to be. So how is it different? Because like from the outsider's perspective, looking in, I look at every FIFA, same with every Madden, and like there are five-year iterations where like if you go to 2015, 2020, and then if you came to like 2024, there would be differences you could tell in. But mm -hmm. like what what's new this year? What's selling you on FC24? So I, I think one of the, because I haven't bought the last few day one uh, because FIFA had kind of been like, oh, I'm getting burned on FIFA. I'm waiting for it to come to Game Pass or wait for a sale. So I decided, I was like, All right, I haven't bought it in a few years. I'll jump in early. Um, I think what's different, first of all, is that it does feel different to play. Um, the engine feels a little different. Shots work differently in this game compared to the last game. Like they always change something. Like last last year, crosses and heading was really good. This year, uh, near post shots seem to be really good. Goalkeepers are absolutely useless in this game. They can't save anything. I'm like, I don't know if this is by design, but yeah, you might want to look into that because I think goalies can actually save stuff in real life. They did make some changes to career mode, which uh, I play a lot of career mode. I like uh, managing a team, like buying players, selling players, kind of building my my team. They made some stuff like, it's really nerdy, but like contract negotiations, letting you set mm. up tactics better. I think that is much improved. Ultimate teams different this year where you can, you can have women in your team. Hey, there we go. Co-ed ultimate team is here, folks. And uh, some of the, the women cards are really good. They, they're really highly rated. And I, I don't know if that's because they're like, if we're going to have them all together, we kind of need to have a level playing field, right? We can't, we can't make the men way better because then no one will use the women. So yeah. it, they've done a good job, I think, finding a balance. It is, it's still an EA soccer game, though, at the end of the day. Like, if you're going into it expecting something drastically different than FIFA 23, you're not going to find that here. You'll find some improvements uh, in certain areas. And I was really hoping, because the way EA made it sound was like, oh, FIFA's been holding us back from things we want to do. And now that we don't have the, like, the restraints, we're going to make the game we wanted. And I was like, you kind of just made the same game, though, like, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day. So, I'm... I'm not, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. It's like my annual sports game. Do you think that next year they're going to have more significant differences because this year there was less time to pass between the FIFA license expiring and FC 24? Like, do you think FC 24, like they'll actually have something new or is it just the thing they didn't want to give up was like making more money. Like they just literally just wanted to not have to pay for the license. You know, what's funny is my brother has a theory because this is either a glitch or it's very, it's like a big oversight because in pro clubs mode, you set your date of birth. So like I, I set mine in, you know, uh, 93, I was born. So it should say I'm 30, but in the loading screens, when it gives you like the player breakdown, it says we're 28. His theory is they made this game two years ago and didn't update the code. So now it's like, it's just like a little oversight. Like, because the whole joke is they just put the same game every year, right? Like, and it kind of feels like this could have been made two years ago. Yeah, I think that that reminds me of a story that I think it was the PC version of one of the Maddens that came out a couple of years ago. Like it came out and they either had the same logo as the last game or the same like Madden NFL 2022 all rights reserved below lo the logo. And people like, oh, you literally 
just change the the actual name of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, would not shock me if this was a couple of years old. I mean, you know, they're already making the next one. So. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. I, I joke that we always joke that they patch the current one to make it worse. So when the new one comes out, you're like, oh, this is so much better. And then they just like continuously every patch just makes it more and more like the old game. So then you just keep thinking you're getting new. Something. It's a whole conspiracy theory. EA's God. screwing us all over every year. But uh, we'll enjoy that hundred dollar early access, which I guess now is null and void. I don't know how. Like is so the, you said the game's out next week officially, right? Uh, it's, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow. So I've I've had it since last. So I've had it for a week now. I've had I've had a week early access. Um luckily I had twenty dollars in gift card money. So it was almost a, nice. almost the price of an the actual game. Um, does it does it have new game plus? The real question. Mm, does, mm, uh no, no, no new dang. game plus. It just kind of continue forever. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you spend money, of course. And well, you can spend money. I, I, don't worry, though. If you bought the Ultimate Edition, you got a free month of Game Pass Ultimate if you were a new subscriber, so it doesn't help me. Oh. You also got some FIFA points for Ultimate Ooh. Team, which I don't play, so it doesn't help me. Ah. Yeah, They're really really making it worth it. Worth yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that, that's all I've been playing this week. Let's uh, let's jump into the news, Sam, because uh, I'm feeling a little under the weather. So let's let's get into the show. Let's do it. Story number one: Triple A publishers and new IPs. I called it, but are Triple A games in trouble? In a new leaked email, Phil Spencer is pretty candid about the current state of Triple A gaming and how he believes Game Pass can help. As reported by PC Gamer in the leaked email, Phil Spencer believes current publishers are unwilling to take risks on new IPs. Quote, very few companies can afford to spend the $200 million an Activision or Take-Two spend to put a title like Call of Duty or Red Dead Redemption on the shelf. These AAA publishers have mostly used this production scale to keep their top franchises in the top selling games each year. Phil says that the, quote, hurdle rate, or the minimum rate of return that major publishers will accept in order to move ahead with a project is so high that it discourages a willingness to take a risk on anything new. This is why studios are renting IPs like Star Wars, Spider-Man, etc. Phil states, quote, AAA publishers are milking their top franchises but struggling to refill their portfolio of hit franchises. Most AAA publishers are riding the success of franchises created 10 plus years ago. Phil wants publishers to use Game Pass so these publishers can have access to a massive user base and help their new IPs. Sam, did you see this email? How are we feeling? I did see the email. And I mean, admittedly, find the lie. It is not wrong in a lot of ways, just because if you look at what the current state of, for example, PlayStation is, not to call out PlayStation on the Xbox show, but looking at the last 10 years, or even isolating that down to the last five or six years, it's been the same games over and over again. Mm-hmm. Your Spider-Man, your God of War, your Last of Us, your Horizon, like those are your big four. Um, and there, there isn't a ton of innovation right now. I mean, we do have stuff coming from Bungie with Marathon. We've got stuff from Jade Raymond that's on the way that they're working on. Um, I, that They have innovative new projects on the way, but even looking at something like in Electronic Arts, it is still your Battlefield, your Madden, your FIFA, like that they know what is going to sell. And it makes sense that they just want to keep putting out what's going to make them money. And honestly how many players are really complaining because you don't know what you don't have if you don't know what could be coming Mm -hmm. and so with the idea of a new red dead coming out i know what take two is going to do with a new red dead it's going to be more red dead but prettier and bigger world it's that new new grant that auto same exact same exact situation 
Um, but with, you know, something that's just a totally new idea, it could be the next big thing. You know, we'll talk about hyenas later in the show, but hyenas could be the next big thing. You've got to take a risk to get that out there. And in today's day and age where people don't have the money to spend on games like they might have a couple of years ago with COVID. I mean, how many people are really even going to try it? Immortals of Avium, really good example of that situation. Immortals of Avium was the first thing that sprung into my mind when I read this email. And I was like, I can't help but think if if that game had launched into Game Pass or a PS Plus and maybe they had gotten some money up front for it, could that have saved some jobs over at Ascendant, right? Could that have helped them view the game in a better light like if it, if it launches into game pass and 20 million people try it not saying stick with it but if you get a bunch of people jumping in like hey i wouldn't pay for this but i'm gonna i'm gonna play it and then you see hey let's look at our metrics is this something that's engaging keeping the players around how many people finished it and then ea can decide okay we're, we'll green light a sequel or not we don't have to close the studio we don't have to lay off a bunch of people we know right off the bat as opposed to putting it out in a crowded time where nobody bought it because they were asking 70 up front which is a lot of money especially for a new unknown unproven ip it's just i i think using the subscription services in that way is a great model and we've seen it to good effect with things like outriders is one that i go to where i don't think that game would have been nearly as successful as it was without something like game pass you look at exit primal which i don't think is doing huge but i think it's doing a lot better because it launched into game pass than it would have done if it didn't launch into game Pass. like if you put that out as a 70 dollars title i think exo primal's dead on arrival yeah, no, I, so, I think that, yeah, sorry, go on. Did you have more? No, no, you can, you can, I, I can finish my thought after, but keep going. What you were going to no, say? I was just going to say with, um, you know, you bring up Outriders, and I don't know if you saw the headline or the story this week, but Outriders, People Can Fly said they still have not turned a profit from the development of Outriders. It's crazy. Like the, the publisher of that still has not made the money back from the development cost of putting this game out into the world. And so I think that with Game Pass, what, what is the value? That the studio puts on like what what is a conversion for this studio is it literally a player playing the game is it recouping the development cost is it units sold for 70 dollars a pop like i think that the publishers and developers have to establish that and then if game pass fits into that model where like let's say it's a, a game like outriders just for example they want to have a benchmark of let's just say twenty five thousand active players in the servers that are constantly there playing the game uh seeing what the new content is maybe buying some dlc i'm sure wolong probably has similar um you know mm -hmm. metrics to hit buying dlc etc but uh i think the game pass gives stuff a fighting chance because that's effectively your shark tank for the gaming industry where like mm -hmm. you come in and you say hey here's my new idea if you like it, you can go at it and let me know if you like it and we'll make more of it. And then gamers go in, they try stuff and it might flop or it could be great. Um, but Game Pass can kind of be like the proving ground. Absolutely. And I like the point you brought up about DLC because for me, Game Pass makes me more likely to buy DLC. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm pretty much against DLC because they tend to come out super late. And at that point, I've moved on already. Like, I can't remember the last time I really buy DLC. I am buying the Tales of Arise DLC because it's like an expansion. But for the most, and that's like a series, that's my favorite series. So that's, that's a different story. But for the most part, DLC does not appeal to me anymore. But when it's in Game Pass and I see DLC, I'm like, 
I haven't bought the game, so I'm going to support them by getting the DLC. I did this for Nobody Saves the World. I did this for Vampire Survivors, which I keep buying their DLC. I'm like, I haven't played this game in months, but I'm going to keep giving you $2 because it's just like so affordable. Why wouldn't I? So I think that's a great point. Um, Ghostly March in the chat says, but the game also looks super generic. Shouldn't we encourage devs to make new and exciting IPs that don't just look like the same games we have seen before, but with a different name? I assume he's referring to Immortals of Avium. And then Spam in the chat says, I still think there's a degree of hypocrisy to Phil's comments. Xbox still has Halo, Gears, Forza, Tentpoles. Beyond that, their acquisitions have been primarily led in gaining established IPs and franchises. I wouldn't disagree with him. I do think there is some uh, hypocrisy in what Phil is saying because for the longest time, Xbox has only had ips that were established 10 plus years ago right like the whole entire xbox one generation halo gears forza that's kind of what and we're just now kind of getting over that yeah no i I think that it's a totally valid point and i think that over the next few years you're starting to see it come together and i mean i don't even know i was going to use games like i know i bring up about a lot here on the show That could be arguably the same kind of Obsidian game you've seen before. That's the same kind of Skyrim. Like, it's nothing that's that's really new. But then I see stuff like The Outer Worlds coming out. And, of course, like, that's not really like a... Um, or at least whenever The Outer Worlds came out, the, the original game came out, it wasn't under the Microsoft umbrella. But with The Outer Worlds 2 coming out, is that owned by Microsoft? Am I making this up? No, it, yeah. It's, it, Outer that's Worlds 2 is going to be yeah. Microsoft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like with The Outer Worlds 2 coming out, that's a unique spin on this like Starfield-esque, Bethesda-esque RPG kind of thing. And so I think that with that, with South of Midnight, with all of these other Clockwork Revolution, like that kind of stuff is... Uh, innovating in a way that I think Xbox is pushing forward. Um, but I mean, with Phil Spencer, yeah, I mean, the, the worst thing is that with Xbox over the past 15 years, not only have they relied on their tentpole franchises, they haven't been great <laughs> in comparison to whenever they came out. So like, it's like, you know, if we're talking about tentpoles, this circus tent's about to collapse with some of these franchises because Halo can only hold up so much, you know? And I think, I think that's one of the reasons halo has been so scrutinized uh where i i don't like halo 4 i think halo 5 is fine yeah and I, i've said this before uh halo infinite i actually quite enjoy i think that was a good entry but like if you look back at the what's the last halo i love is like halo 3 and then halo 2 is one of my like favorites of all time so that's still the original but then gears is kind of the same where i think four is good and five i didn't really care for five and i know that's might be a hot take but these i'm not saying gears five is bad it's just they're going in a direction i didn't really care for with that semi-open world stuff i'm like that's not Mm. gears of war right like if you're going to make if you're going to make your version fine but why didn't you why not just make a new ip like they could have made something similar to Gears of War and then yeah. done this open world thing, right? Like a new IP, new world instead of, well, we already have an established franchise. Let's see if we can use that name recognition and get some sales. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that through the Xbox One generation and into the beginning of the Xbox Series X generation, Xbox has still been riding the wave of nostalgia that came with the early Xbox 360 days of your Halo, of your Gears, of your Forza. And not to say that they need to abandon that and turn to do something entirely different, but you've got to have something to go with that. And so I, I'm looking forward to seeing them bring that reality on top of big acquisitions like Activision Blizzard 
to where they can have ownership over Call of Duty. They can hopefully fund other experimental projects. Like, again, don't touch the money machine. It's functioning properly. Take that money and do something cool with it. Mm-hmm. And Ghostly March brings up more good points in the chat. Says, but isn't that every publisher and developer? PlayStation puts out like six Uncharted games in a decade. God of War has been going since PS2. Ratchet and Clank, same deal. Assassin's Creed, Far Cry for Yubi. Um, anything that doesn't sell millions doesn't get sequels. Anything that does gets run into the ground. This is why we're getting 100 Horizon properties in the next few years. And I think those are all excellent points. And those are kind of what, kind of what I'm saying. I like the new IPs. And Sam, I don't know how you feel, but is there any concern that things like Clockwork Revolution doesn't hit big, even if it's a good game, because it's a new IP and people are will be worried about it? I don't think so, because good games have a tendency to rise to the top. Lies of P is a really good example of that that's happening right now, where every time I check threads or Twitter or whatever social media app we're on for the day, um, like somebody's talking about like, ooh, Lies of P is actually really good. Like it's a game of the year contender. Like I've seen people that that are legitimately shocked. Um, I think the bigger threat as time goes on is, you know, like we mentioned Far Cry in the chat. Far Cry 6 was just this husk of like it it was a Far Cry. It was the Madden of Far Cries, you know, where it's just the same thing that was churned out. And then you had like a big name actor coming in with Carlo Esposito. Um, And I think that's your worst case scenario where the big games get watered down like i haven't played god of war ragnarok i did play god of war 2018 and that was one of those like ah you know like i love this game it's such Mm -hmm. an impactful thing but over time like you know it's almost like a boy who cried wolf where it's like oh yeah impactful father-son moment oh yeah (laughs) aloy discovering the statue of liberty oh boy you know like stuff like that where you just get tired of it over time so i think that fatigue is the bigger threat i I could not agree more. Why Why don't we let games rest a little longer? Why do we... We don't need a sequel every two to three years. I would love if studios did a... We'll do this series, then we'll do something new, then we'll come back. Like, get, get it on that more of a... All, every other cadence, if you will. Because, like, I would love to see the Coalition do something other than Gears. I would like to see 343 do something other than Halo. Yeah, uh, just just to see just for something different, even if it doesn't even if they're sevens, at least it's something new for me to sink my teeth into. So we don't get burned out on being like, oh, the locust popped up in a hole again. I guess I got to throw a grenade in there. Like, you, yeah, you know, like I can I like that. But <laughs> Tom, Tom in the chat, let Banjo rest for 15 more years. Mike, all right. Where's the ban button here? All right. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I think you're, I think you're totally right. I think that. um I think that what I would love to see in a world where we don't have to talk about keeping studios alive through selling games, because like they're out there to make money, they're out there to entertain, but they've got to make money. Um, You know, like taking Halo, for example, come back with creative ideas that dig deeper than just big, beefy Marine in, in Spartan armor killing other aliens. Like, we know what that is. Take me out to like an ODST troop that's been stranded on this planet for 30 years and they finally have an opportunity, like something that's new and innovative um, that taps into that route, but that also brings a new experience. I think we're getting, um, you know, stuff that's just kind of churned out over and over again. So I've been asking for a survival horror game for the Halo franchise for years now. Like the flood, I like just make it. It, yeah, I'll play as a civilian in one of the Zanzibar or whatever. Like, I don't care. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think every developer and publisher is struggling with this, uh, some more than others. Um, I know Ubisoft, like one of the big points he brings up was like studios are renting the IPs and we know Insomniac is doing that. This, I love Ratchet. I would love them to bring back Killzone because I never got to experience that. They're doing Spider-Man, obviously, but then they're immediately going to Wolverine, which is just another rented property. You have Ubisoft doing the Avatar game, which is basically Far Cry reskinned, right? So even when they are renting IPs, they're like, how can we make this familiar to our current player base? And I'll tell you, you bring up uh, Insomniac, and I put out a poll on my YouTube channel, which my polls generally get like four or five, 6,000 votes a piece. So it's a pretty good feel of like what the general gaming community feels like, like my specific, you know what I mean? Um, and the poll was, what PlayStation game are you most excited for that's coming out? And the options were like The Last of Us Factions. Um, I, I threw up like Marathon, um, mm -hmm. a couple of other ones. And so it wasn't even on the list, but there were multiple different comments that were like Wolverine, Wolverine, Wolverine. And it's just that name recognition. Like it mm -hmm. is a Marvel superhero that they know is getting a game and it sells. Like that's why they keep doing it because games like Star Wars Outlaws are going to be better received than random space outlaw game like it's got to have that name recognition so they're spending that money to get those people in the door because people are are trained to do whatever's familiar and i know we're talking about games right now but this is not strictly a games problem this is also like an entertainment problem like look at movies right i just watched fast x great movie by the way i love that i love the fast and furious franchise and i'm in and but they've made 10 of them at this point right but do I go and see other movies? I usually only see horror movies in long-running franchises, such as like the new Saw movie that's coming out, or Scream, or Halloween. I see Fast and Furious, and I see Marvel movies, because I know what I'm going to get with those types of movies. Like Other than that, it's a pretty hard sell to get me into theaters. Like Even for things like Oppenheimer, I'm like... Yeah, I'll wait, I'll wait. I'll wait for it to come digitally or whatever and then just like watch it where I can like pause it. And so it, it is that we want things we know. Yeah, totally. And and what is wild about it, a, a good example came to mind talking about the um, the opening night live. Like if you had Rebel Moon from Zack Snyder that was shown mm -hmm. up on the stage and he was talking about it. If you had changed the title to Star Wars Rebel Moon. Oh, yeah immediately would have been all over the internet of like the next big thing like just the fact that it is a new ip that is completely unrecognizable and it's depending on the guy that made like a, a mid justice league like you are going to have a problem like it, it is an ip recognition thing that everybody is riding on across the entertainment industry yeah absolutely it's not not exclusive to games but i'm hoping people can figure it out uh let's let's get some new ips xbox just announced a whole bunch so we have some things to look forward to playstation Give me a showcase. So let me I know you announced some new live service IPs, but I want some new single player IPs. Okay. Ubisoft, you need to you need to work on it too. Let's let's just go. Okay. Anyway, let's go to story number two, Sam. Is there a future game pass increase coming? So speaking in an interview at TGS, Phil was asked about a future game pass price increase. Phil responded, quote, although the main premise is to provide more value, the price is, I think it is inevitable that it will rise in the future. We recently raised our prices once, but the decision was made after careful consideration. We believe it's important to provide services that are recognized as being a sufficient value, even if prices are increased. Uh, that's probably a 
PR answer, the nicest way he could spin that. But what are you thinking, Sam? Uh, Game Pass price increase coming. I think that it, like he says, is inevitable. It's going to happen. And right now, it went up by a couple of dollars. The question is, what's the next step up? Will it also go up by a couple of dollars? Will they round up to like 20 bucks a month? Um, and I think we've talked about it on the show before, but what's the threshold that people are willing to pay before they say, okay, I would rather take my money and buy three games I'm going to play to death a year versus playing Game Pass? Because depending on the type of player you are, Mm. might not be a value for you but then you've got people like you and i that are digging into whatever new stuff is coming to the service i mean like i'm gonna play phoenix right next week i would never buy that you know <laughs> but but the fact that it's on there yeah i'm totally in and so like that people like me will get value but the people that are like call of duty battlefield gears like those people might rather just go out and buy their game so i think it is inevitable do you, do you think it's it's coming up it's going to increase again. Um, I don't think I don't think anytime soon. Um, I hopefully not next year. I'd like to see it like if they can get every other year like a dollar. I think people will put up with that until it hits a certain point. Which I've always said I think twenty dollars is like the max price that like Game Pass should be. Um, I've seen some people say like they'd be willing to spend 25. It, it'll depend on everyone. I think any more than that, you might as well just buy your games at that point. Like how much are you really saving? Uh, if you're, if you're all, cause not everything comes to game pass. So you're still gonna be spending money, but then you also have a $25 subscription on top of that. That would be way too much for me. What I would like to see for game pass and even PlayStation plus to some extent, um, I would like to see more customization in these subscription services. So mm. what I mean by that is like, we're getting the, when the Activision Blizzard deal closes, right? Say you're a gamer that isn't really interested in those games. Why not have it so you can customize your subscription and be like, take those out. I don't want those. Or you know what? I'm good without EA play in the cloud. Take those out and maybe it lowers it by five seven dollars or whatever that is worth as being bundled into the subscription so that way people get a more bang for their buck more value you don't lose game pass subs you'll have a more varied like average pay price but i think that is a great way to go and i know why they don't want to do that because they want the more money but once you get to those higher asking prices i think they're going to have to start making concessions or you're going to see people like i just can't i can't swing it yeah, I think that it's such a tough equation to figure out because I agree it would be cool to see better customization for like what you want to play. But I also don't see that happening just because they're forfeiting money from people that are going to subscribe for like, let's take Starfield, for example, people that got Starfield or that got Game Pass to play Starfield and they're never going to go back to it. But that credit card got swiped and that subscription's out of their mind. It's going to keep riding that 15 bucks until the end of time. And like those are going to be just like Xbox Live, the people that are really, really, um, you know, that foundation for like keeping that sub going. And then you've got people that are there actively playing the stuff. So like for me, I know that if I had the choice between it, I would rather have like the perks of Game Pass Ultimate, but probably like I don't really need the PC library because I, that's, I'm mm -hmm. not the guy, you know, but I also don't just want Game Pass like basic because I want everything else that's included with it. So um it's tricky. I think my question is, what does Phil define as value? Like, what is giving value? Is it bringing Ubisoft Plus in as a new added benefit on top of EA Play? 
Um, is it literally the idea of higher quality games? So now that we've gotten Starfield out and it's really good, you'll have Forza Motorsport, then you've got Avowed, then you'll have Hellblade, then you'll have all these games that are piling up and he can effectively look at it and say, that is worth 20 bucks a month mm -hmm. to come out and have this library. Like, I don't know what they define as value when they're talking about a price increase like that. I so I remember when they added EA Play, um, which was kind of added because their <laughs> Xbox Series X launch lineup wasn't existing, right? Like they had nothing. So they're like, okay, we got to give our players some some value here. They added EA Play, the price didn't go up. Now we have closed Bethesda and Activision acquisitions, right? And I know despite what they say, they're like, oh, the price isn't going up because of Activision Blizzard. The price is 100% going up because of Activision Blizzard. Uh, yeah, 100% yeah, going up because of that. So in, in my mind, they clearly see, okay, we've acquired two publishers. So many more studios, so many more games are being added to the Game Pass catalog. That is the increase in value. So let's justify that with a $1 or $2 price increase, depending on what tier you're at. If they continue to buy developers, I don't know if they can get away with another publisher. If they continue to buy and add more and more to their first-party catalog, then I understand because they'll be giving more games. If they add some other sort of feature that you get, like you said, a Ubisoft Plus or, or something along those lines, like we, we got the cloud, we got these new features that get added to the service, then I can understand a price increase because you're getting something else in return. But if they're sitting there and I don't mean to throw shade, but they're doing the PlayStation Plus route, right? Where like $20 extra for basic, nothing's changing. Uh, $40 extra dollars for premium, nothing's changing. That is when people get upset. That is when I'm sitting there, I'm like, I think I can cancel PS Plus premium in April when my subscriptions uh, come yeah. out. You know? Yeah, no, they've, they've got to keep providing value. And I think that if it came down to it, I mean, if Microsoft keeps making, let's just say they can do whatever they want. The lawyers they've got are the best in the world and they can acquire whoever and everybody is largely cool with it, like regulator wise. I'd pay $25 a month to never have to buy a game. Like if they got me too. Every, yeah. If they got every major game on the service, I'll gladly pay that because I would rather do that than pay, you know, $70 for whatever else I might need to get. And then I'll pay for DLC along the way. Like, it, the the access to games is what I want. And so I think that maybe that is their strategy where the more value they provide people, the more willing people are going to be to pay 20 bucks, 25 bucks eventually. I think yeah. that could be it. It, it I know it'd be like, okay, say my brother is a huge, is a big Capcom fan. Uh, if if Capcom got acquired and suddenly all their games were in there, maybe twenty dollars is something he could stomach because of uh, he all the Resident Evil, Mega Man, all these games that he likes. F for me, I think if Sega got acquired, like twenty dollars, that sounds well worth it from where we're at right now. If you add Sega's library in there, I think that's a well worth the acquisition and and value proposition for me. But that will depend on each person which is when i go back um, to the customization thing where like if you don't care about sonic yakuza and all these set or atlas these sega franchises like why should your price have to go up if you're currently content with what you have and you're like i just won't won't engage with those right yeah yeah totally i i think that that's you know totally right on the money like even thinking about activision blizzard there are people that would love to have a wow sub included with their game pass mm -hmm. and then there are people like me that would not care at all and no. it's like you can't uh, one solution that's going to provide value for somebody isn't going to provide value for everybody. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it will definitely go up at some point. Uh, just hoping it can know when to stop. But let's keep it rolling. Story number three, Banisher's Ghost of New Eden has been delayed. So Don't Nod have announced that Banisher's Ghost of New Eden has delayed its release from November 7th, 2023 to February 13th, 2024 due to, quote, an intense release cycle for AAA titles on PC and consoles at the end of the year. I'm kind of bummed about this one not gonna lie uh this is one i was really looking forward to playing i think all the trailers have been fantastic for this um i get it though like i i understand <laughs> i know where they're coming from because when i look at my reminders for like my game calendar i'm like i don't even know when i was gonna play this yeah i i think that this was a really wise move just because not that it would have trouble standing out because I do think Banishers has something that's unique to it. I love the vibe of this game. Absolutely going to be one that I check out. Um, but looking at November, like you're following a huge fall, like September, October are all packed. November's got some great stuff too. And I think that it's just going to get drowned out. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about it, I think in the discord moving to February, it's already packed, mm -hmm. but I think that there is enough variety in the February lineup to where, a game like Banishers isn't necessarily going to be eclipsed by some of the other games that are in the roster. Like I looked at a list that I think Shinobi 602 posted on Twitter and Banishers was the only game on the list that I would buy on day one in February, but that's mm. my personal interest. So I think that if there are more people out there like me, this frees up that bandwidth a little bit to where I can pay full price for this game and check it out. And it's far enough away from the fall season to where I've played Alan Wake two by that point I've played potentially the new call of duty by that point I've played mortal Kombat, starfield, all these, other band, um, uh, Baldur's gate three, all that stuff. Like it's all out. Now I can dive into this one. Yeah. I think delaying it is fine. Uh, I would have loved for it to drop at like middle of December. I think that would have been a good spot for like December is empty apart from avatar at the, the start of the month. Like that is the perfect commit to a game or catch up on backlog month so far. But uh, Wario 64, I have his tweet and it's like video games releasing within a one week period, uh, January 25th to February 2nd. You have Apollo justice, Ace attorney trilogy under night in birth, to Sis Celeste, Tekken 8, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, Persona 3 Reload, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and then you get Banishers uh, like a week or a little after that, and then at the end of the month is Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. So for someone that likes the JRPG genre, I am sitting here, I'm like, this is not helpful to me specifically. Yeah. Like, I still don't know when I'm going to. If anything, I'll have less time to play Banishers because JRPGs take forever. Yeah, yeah. Like, see, I, I'm the total opposite of that, where, like I said, Banishers the, is the only game on that list I even remotely care about. Like, there's nothing else that I even care. Maybe Suicide Squad? Maybe. That's maybe. a heat. That's like a Gotham Knights level, maybe at this point. And uh, and yeah, so it's not going to satisfy everybody, but maybe it was within that fiscal year where they could still hit their goals and also give it enough breathing room. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, this this screams get it in before the fiscal year is is over. Get it on the, the finance report. So I understand it. I hope it does well. I will still be getting it. Uh, I just don't know when I'm going to get around to playing it because yeah. it's still packed. I get it.
Uh, I didn't do a little thing for the last one, so let's just do it off the cuff. Uh, Sega cancels hyenas announced this morning. Sega has announced that, quote, in response to the lower profitability of the European region, they are canceling the looter shooter hyenas, which was the in development at Creative Assembly. And they're also canceling some announced unannounced titles that were also under development at other studios. Unfortunately, this will result in some layoffs at the studio while Sega implements structural reforms in the region to lower costs this is not the only bad news we had today i saw some people saying that ubisoft had some layoffs but the big one was at epic where epic games laid off 16 percent or 830 employees from various areas mediatonic the studio behind fall guys appears to have been hit very hard with some re disputed reports that the majority of their staff have been let go Wow. I this is my first time hearing about the Mediatonic skew. Oh, really? Yeah, I did not hear about that before this show. That is very unfortunate to hear. Um wow, lots to break down here. Um initially, like obviously we've always got to say sucks when people get hit by these economic decisions. I think that the thing that made me angry, I guess, at Epic around this is the way that Tim Sweeney kind of phrased it in his email. Mm -hmm. Of he was talking about how Basically, they've been scaling up and giving away and, and doing all of these big high um, cost initiatives like the free games on the Epic Game Store every week. They've been scaling that up. They've been giving away free to play games, tons of, you know, Fortnite crossovers and stuff. And they haven't been running on a, a model of profitability. Like it's always been we're going to spend money to make money and it's just going to be a churn and burn. And now they're getting to the point where all of those free games, all that stuff they've been doing is finally catching up to them. And it's the people behind the games that are having to face the brunt of it and not the people that are making the decisions. Mm -hmm. And so that's what sucks the most is that we've all been wondering how Epic has been able to pay for all this free stuff and like scale up the Epic game store and give away all this stuff. It is literally they don't have the money and now they're having to pay the piper for it. So it just sucks to see this kind of thing. Yeah, I claim my two free games from Epic every month, even though majority of the time I've never heard of them. I don't probably not going to play them, but they're free games. And I was like, maybe one day I'll just I'll acquire this catalog of, of games for them. So if they don't have the money. They need to look at themselves. And it sucks that the people suffering are the employees for for studios that probably didn't deserve it like i i said i was heartbroken when i heard the mediatonic news whether it's the majority of the staff or even a good amount of the staff as as some have been saying this is incredibly disappointing because epic games just bought them like yeah. last year like you buy fall guys you change the entire structure of the game to match the fortnite model where you have to buy the epic game currency implement all these like battle pass like you microtransaction the hell out of it fall guys despite what people say is still a very active game like you log on there are still tons of people playing it yes i understand it doesn't do big numbers for streamers but it's still a very big game and the fact that you acquire them and then say Here's your here's your severance. Uh, go find somewhere else to work. That is so disappointing to me. Like they were doing such good work too. Like they were finally getting a good cadence of content. They just implemented like a building mode where people could make their own levels. Like it was so good. Things were going so well. And I think it was uh, Sam, our our co-host over on No Limits, who said like, if Epic is doing this, no one is safe. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Embracer is doing this, no one's safe. It's the same, you know, same situation. Now, getting back to the hyenas piece of it, 
that's indicative of an b- even bigger issue. Obviously, you talked about Sega earlier and how they're doing a whole bunch of different stuff in, in a variety of ways. But Hyenas was always one of those games where it was following that trend. It was kind of like Hyperscape from Ubisoft, where it was going after that Battle Royale kind of extraction shooter genre. And it just d- didn't do it for me. I know we talked about the Jade Raymond uh, studio earlier in the show. I forget what that uh, uh, money games, something like that. What, fair what's games, that? fair games, fair games. Yeah, that's it. Money games, money games. That's what everybody's playing these days. Um, but with fair games, it has the same vibe to me. Like it's this like techno gamer mm-hmm. heist thing. Would not be surprised to see that one cut off, and and they don't even go after the fair games after. The, it's just. It all of those games that are in that double A level, like I don't know about you, you get a gut feeling when you know a game isn't going to go anywhere. Like you oh, know, yeah. you know a game's going to come out and it's just going to hit, and it's that's it. And Hyenas was that game. Fair Games is that game. Marathon could be that game from the Bungie side of things. I would not be surprised with that either. It like could it be. What it, it depends think, what it looks like. I think Bungie, like the name has like it's giving people more hope and has a better chance because of the studio. But like if you see Haven, the majority of people are gonna be like, I don't know who that is. Like, yeah. Why is this got a money sign in it? Right. Yeah. So it's just like these uh, a lot of these games that are hitting that um, kind of double A level or even triple A level with a weird new skew on it kind of look just aren't going to be going anywhere. And so I'll be curious to see in five years how many of those experimental kind of titles are still around, um, especially that are launching in the next year or two, because there's a lot of stuff coming out. But yeah, between the epic uh, situation and then it's very not epic of epic to do that Mm. Um, between that situation and then the stuff at Sega is just continued. Uh, not only consolidation at this big scale, but also consolidation of like what projects are getting greenlit. Like it's all over the place. This goes back to our initial conversation where people, they don't want to take a chance on a new IP that they don't think is going to sell or be super successful. Like they clearly had the gut feeling we have about hyenas where we're like, this game might hit with some players, but the majority of people is probably ain't it, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not, I can't say I'm like, I'm not disappointed that hyenas got canceled because I was never excited for it. I'm disappointed that people are going to lose their jobs, especially creative assembly who they make the total war total. Yeah. Games. Yeah. Yeah. And they worked on halo uh, wars too. I know. So they, they make a pretty niche genre of gate. Well, niche millions of people play those games, but you you know what I'm saying? That it's not a first person shooter. That's going to appeal to like the masses. sucks for them to lose people i want to know more about this lower profitability in the european region sega is basically being like we gotta fire people because no one in europe buys our games is that what's going on i don't that's a really interesting observation uh for them to call out it kind of makes me think of the halo championship series and i know that it's probably not a big crossover there but like Hyenas was going to be a semi-competitive, like looter shooter battle royale kind of thing. With Halo, they have such a low interest in HCS over in the European region that they're pretty much just making it a North American event. And then mm. European teams are getting cut just because there isn't a lot of hype around it. And so maybe that's a reflection of like the first person shooter genre in that region. Not to say that it's not doing well, but it's not on that level where companies are going after it. Um, that could be what they mean. But beyond that, um, you know, that's a it's a unique observation. That's for sure. 
Yeah, it's just disappointing to see. I, I forget who said it on Twitter. It might have been Shinobi, but it's like it's crazy that 2023 20, might be the best year for video games, but the worst year for game developers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is. And I mean, I was watching a Level Cab video earlier today. I don't know if you've ever watched Level Cab, but he's a big Battlefield creator. Um, and he always covers new first person shooters and stuff. And so the the takeaway was that there are so many games that are coming out that were a product of people scaling up for the additional attention to gaming and COVID. Mm-hmm. That now we've all gone back to working, going back to school, back to what is relatively normal life. Touching grass. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. We're out here touching grass now, breathing fresh air, you know, and stuff like that people aren't playing games like they used to. And on top of that, people don't have the time in general to like dig into a game. So having 15 battle Royales, there's no point in it whenever we're all just going to play two and those other 13 are just going to get cut. And Mm -hmm. that's the reality of the, of the industry we're in right now. Uh, Fair point. Absolutely. I think we're seeing that with a lot of subscription services have all taken a hit the same thing. Like it's not, it's not only games that are struggling right now and it it just sucks to see people losing losing their jobs so hopefully they can all land on their feet and make some great games uh if you're looking forward to hyenas sorry i i ghostly mark said i don't even know what hyenas is so maybe it's not as prevalent as we thought people know what this game is but you'll watch a youtube documentary on the cancellation in three years while you're eating dinner and that's it don't Mm -hmm. worry about it the untold story of hyenas That's what it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's jump into the listener questions to round out this episode, Sam. Uh, And uh, spoiler alert, the majority of these are about Jim Ryan leaving PlayStation. This is an Xbox show, but this is what people have been asking us. Ryan retiring Jim Ryan. Oh, (sighs) what a guy. As my brother calls him, if I'm lying, I'm dying, Jim Ryan. I'm lying, I'm dying. And he's retiring. It's Kyle writes in and says, I know it's not Xbox related, but with Jim Ryan stepping down as head of PlayStation, do you think they'll try to get an actual quote gamer in as the head as Jim Ryan always seemed out of touch and more of a businessman who didn't know much about games? It's a really great question. I, I think it's difficult because what, what do you define as like a gamer leading a company? Like I feel like Phil Spencer is genuinely very unique in the industry where somebody at his level is posting screenshots of beating vampire survivors in the middle of like the FTC court battle, mind you, like he's out here getting the game time in the same way that you and I nice relaxing day after the deposition. Yeah. Like, like that guy it's, he is literally like an average everyday guy, at least from the public perception of like you and I go to work, we come home, we do a podcast and then at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, we're sacrificing sleep to play these games. And and Phil Spencer's doing the same thing. Now, with Jim Ryan, I do not think that he remotely cared about playing the games himself. He was just no. there to like crunch the numbers and figure out what the best move for the company was. And to be fair, he's done well at that. Like it has been a successfully run company. Um, and I, I would love to see them get somebody in there that is on that Phil Spencer level of I love, you know, the gaming industry and growing businesses, but I also equally love God of War, love Horizon. Mm -hmm. I have these ideas for games we could make. These are a legacy IP that I love. Get somebody in there that's going to bring back resistance. I don't care who it is. Get somebody in. But, uh, yeah, they need to get somebody in there that understands what players want and that has ideas of how PlayStation can innovate and continue growing. Yeah, I want... 
I don't. I, first of all, do I think they're going to bring in a gamer? Most likely not. I think they'll probably try. Like they care about business first. And if you're if someone applies that's more than qualified to be CEO of a company, like proven track record, uh, I think they'll they they won't really care if the, they he plays games. I don't think they're going to sit there like, can you tell us about your experience with God of War Ragnarok? Like, right? How did you find that? Uh, yeah, I don't think they care about that at all. I would love if we got more someone that was passionate about video games in the spot because I think that comes across during things like press conferences, like the showcases where Jim Ryan was more of a stoic and kind of reading from the script. And I remember that one. It was like, yeah, Ghostly March in the chat is making fun of it. But he did this with Ratchet. Like, I'm playing the new and exciting upcoming Ratchet and Clank Rift. Like, you just sound like yeah. you're a robot reiterating something so yeah i would love for them to do it i don't think that they really care all that much i would love an edit of all of the awkward non-gamer things that jim ryan said through the years of him. he was like when i talk to game players and here's what they say and it him was holding like, a controller yeah, like he's, he's holding his... the controller like this where there's no thumbs connected to anything and you just grab oh god what a guy what um a guy. But yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see to to get somebody in there that, that plays games and understands games, because whenever Phil comes out with like, you know, a, a unique shirt on that, you know, is a callback to some Activision like Blizzard. Hexen. Yeah, like whenever he brought that shirt out that, you know, he knows what that is, you know, he wants that game to come back. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I love. Like the fact mm -hmm. that I could probably go up to Phil and talk to him about Proteus and he would understand the game that I'm referencing. Like, that is the guy that I want. And Jim Ryan's not that guy. No, if I go up to Jim Ryan, I'm like, can you, you want to talk about prototype? He's going to be like, I don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> of the, of the next PlayStation? I got that. <laughs> no, that, like prototype the game where, you know, you can like grapple someone and then surf on them like a surfboard. You know, you know I'm talking about Jim. Uh, Nikolai Knight writes in over on the Discord like you can. If you want to join the Discord, links down below. He says, what will Jim Ryan's resignation do for Microsoft? Nothing. Um, not yeah, not going to impact that at all. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at too. Um, I don't really think this changes much for Xbox. Like their their strategy has never been like we really got to stick it to Jim Ryan. Like PlayStation strategy for the next few years is going to be kind of set in stone, regardless of who comes in after Jim Ryan. Uh, it'll it won't be for a while until we see any change that the CEO can can the new CEO can implement. Uh, even then it's still xbox like it has nothing to do with them yeah i think that the real question is it's not what does jim ryan resigning mean or do to microsoft mean for or do to microsoft it's what do the changes the next ceo brings in due to microsoft strategy of like are they going to continue the live service trajectory that jim ryan had them on mm -hmm. exactly. where they are going to continue all of these big multiplayer games or is it going to be getting back to their roots? And they're like, all right, we're really good at making this type of game. Let's double down on that, expand on a little bit and figure out what we can continue to do to make these cinematic style games. Um, that'll be interesting to see. But the person sitting in the chair is just a figurehead on the PlayStation side at this point. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the new CEO is like, we need to invest more in our cloud infrastructure to compete on that. Like, those are the things that we'll see years down the line. But for right now, like 2024, 2025, 2026 and beyond are probably like they're going to fulfill their current slate of, of games. Totally. Yeah, 100%. 
Sam Heaney writes in with Jim Ryan resigning as PlayStation CEO, or, or sorry, with Jim Ryan resigning and PlayStation is dominating and doing better than ever outside of maybe some optics. With the next chapter of Xbox seemingly beginning, when do you think would be a good time for Phil Spencer to eventually step down? Next year will be a decade in the position, and he's made similar good strides for the platform. Uh, I mean, I don't want to put like a date on when Phil Spencer should should step down, but I feel like you... I don't even know how to answer the question. I mean, my gut would be like once Elder Scrolls Six launches... And like at that point, it seems like that'll probably be a time that Todd Howard is probably stepping away. Phil Spencer at that point, presumably, if things continue to go according to plan, if if Elder Scrolls is like 2028 at, at this point, you know, let's just say that's a reasonable estimation, giving it some some extra bandwidth. Like that's a good long while that he's been in that position. And by that time, I would assume like Sarah Bond, if she's still at the company at that mm -hmm. point, will be the next in line. Um, and her and Phil align on a lot of levels to where she is playing those games. She's out there shaking hands, kissing babies, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I think that could be a good, a, a good timeline. I would say get us into the next console generation, 2030 ish, like launch the next console because ideally, you don't want to step away unless you're in a good position. Like their strategy could, if it pays dividends like they think it's going to over the course of this generation, beginning of the next. Like if Xbox continues to re regrow, climb back into relevance, start having these AAA bangers, like if they can establish themselves back as a big force in the industry, then I think Phil looks at us as my work here is kind of done. I can step away knowing that like I took Xbox from what it was in the 2010s to where it currently is now, which is a very good position. Um, and then he hands it, which I, to Sarah Bond is the most likely right now, I think, um, just because of the way they've like kind of positioned her. Like she's in all the showcases with, with Phil. Like she is one of the talking heads where as opposed to someone like Matt Booty, who I don't really think has a shot because he's, no one ever hears from him. He's kind of just like hiding off in the corner. Um, yeah, I think Sarah would be my first choice, but maybe they look at that and say, we want someone different. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I also want to call out, I was just curious how old Phil Spencer was. 55, so 10 years from now, let's just say hypothetically. Perfect age. You know, yeah, he's 65, ready to retire. I think 10, you've still got another good 10 years in Phil if he wants to do it and he's still passionate about it. Also, his Wikipedia page has an other name section and it says P3, parentheses, gamertag. And I really, really appreciate that. That's great. <laughs> Where's your gamertag, Jim? Yeah, Jim, come on. Yeah. Uh, Luke Vore, friend of the show over at the Xbox Expansion Pass, writes in and says, what is it that makes a good leader for first party? I think PlayStation deserves a leader whose energy matches their incredible exclusives, but also he has guided them to great success. Phil saved Xbox in the dark times, but they've also struggled. Talk to me. Oh, that was aggressive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Come on, Luke. You're yelling at me. Uh, I think that a good leader for a first party lineup is kind of what we were saying earlier, where it is somebody who understands the business. Like we we see Phil's emails. We talked about them earlier, where it is frank business discussions that show a genuine interest, a passion, and an understanding of what publishers and developers are doing in the space. 
And beyond that, there's an interest in the final product of what you are actually getting out of it. So at every level, Phil Spencer understands and is tuned in to what that means for the company. Like when Redfall came out, went on kind of funny and like owned up to the fact that it was a mm -hmm. bad game. Like he yep. he called it what it was. It was a business mistake. It was a management mistake. And seeing that kind of ownership is a big part of, of the first party success. But even beyond that, caring about that final product, like I guarantee you, Phil looks at Redfall on the Game Pass catalog and he's like, oh, my God, you know, like that. It's just it's an unfortunate situation not to keep picking on Redfall. But um, I think that's what it takes is is passion and, and care at every level of the process from the people making them to the people publishing them to the games themselves. It's funny because I kind of talked about this earlier where. I mentioned like I think Phil is a great leader because whenever you see things like the Redfall situation, it'd be super easy to say Arcane made a bad game. Like point the fingers at them. Instead, it's like we messed up. We as a collective didn't do enough to support them. It's which is it's always a good a sign of a good leader. And you see that in that leaked email we saw about the 2022 game drought for Xbox, where it's like we'll have had 18 months without a exclusive to game game or to Xbox, right? Like that's not a, a good look for us, but we're going to learn from this. We're going to implement systems. Like it's always trying to not not point fingers and attack people or, or say like you messed up you should have done this it's more uh, more of a we're in this together type thing i feel like he i feel like phil really believes in xbox and the xbox team and the xbox studios and everyone there wants to make great games and support each other um at least that's the the idea i get so if you get someone like that over at playstation where they as you were saying, passionate, believe in what PlayStation is doing, maybe whether that's their live service initiative, whether that's their first party, um, third person over the shoulder narrative style games, like whatever they are want to be known for, as long as they believe in it and are supported, I think that's what you're looking for in a leader. Yeah, um, and, and talk to us more. Talk to us. I'm we, we need more communication from PlayStation leadership. Yeah. And uh, in general, more, more transparency on what's coming and not this. I, I don't trust you enough right now with the lineup. Like I need more uh, positive affirmation. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't even know what, what's next year. Nobody knows. We got Wolverine coming at some point. Is it? <laughs> There's no date on that. I don't think there was anyway, but uh, Terrebo says Xbox and Facebook are teaming up for X cloud via VR. Do you think we'll see a situation where meta will link up to the Xbox to play some games in the same way PS five and PSVR are? Uh, I don't think it'll be a direct connection to like an Xbox console. I think that it's cool that you're seeing the collaboration with X cloud finally coming into the VR headset of meta. And I posted it on threads, but like it is literally going to be a browser bookmark. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to be a full, like, it's just automating. Like, it's just yeah, a yeah. big TV in your browser. Uh, but even then, it's cool. And so you're going to be getting cloud games in your VR headset. The question is, like, you know, I'm thinking about whenever I saw that announcement from Meta, what does that look like for this controller that could be coming out in the first part of next year that connects directly to the cloud? Would that make streaming cloud games through my VR headset and playing with the Sebel controller that connects to the cloud more of a viable option of how I experience my games. Like in 10 years, once this technology evolves, could I realistically not have a TV in my living room? Like, could I actually just have a headset sitting there 
is that something that we'll see? And I would love to see that be an option for people, um, especially as like HDR and, and resolutions improve and stuff like that. But I don't know if it's going to be integrating directly uh, like the way the PS5 and PSVR anytime soon. Yeah, you get that Meta Pro Quest uh, $3,500 and it'll be great, man. You won't even you sell sell your TV. Yeah, it'll be all good. Um, I think this is more of a move for Xbox than it is for Meta. I don't think Meta or Xbox have any intentions to let you hook up the VR headsets to Xbox to start putting VR games on like the Xbox store and letting you play them through there. This to me reads more like Xbox has said for a long time, we want to be where screens are. And this is just another market where they can say, hey, if you only play VR, let's get you a Game Pass subscription. Let's let you stream our games into your headset and let's let you have that experience. It benefits them, gets them their marketing and their their Game Pass subscribers go up. That's what I think. I don't think this has anything to do with uh, plugging in the old meta quest to the Xbox. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. But it'll be interesting to see if people actually use this. That's my big question. Yeah, uh, I think that launches in December. I I think they're actually shipping next week, I think. But I don't know when the Game Pass stuff comes out. Okay. DVD. Yeah, Uh, those meta quests, that's way too expensive for me, by the way. Yeah, 500 bucks. I would like, I I want to get in on it, but it's just like, it's almost like buying a racing rig. Like, I know I want it, but I'm not going to use it. You know, I'm not going to bust that chair out for Forza. Uh, last question of the night comes from Taylor, aka TPR. Says, "I don't want to be that guy, but I'm gonna be that guy." How does Space Marine stack up against Gears of War for you? Oh, uh, I'll go first. Gears wins every day of the week, just because I like the gritty, more realistic kind of vibe, and the Space Marine thing is like alternate reality gears of war i guess is the best way to describe it so i'm more of a, a gears marcus phoenix kind of guy but what about you gears of war wins and it's not even close uh i think space marine's super fun to play i think gears of war is just as fun to play but also gears has a great story at least gears one through three and i like four but uh especially some of those early ones like gear story is good space marine story you can just skip like there's I don't care. Yeah, there's no there's, really you're fighting orcs that are invading the world for some reason. Great. I think any argument that involves is Gears of War better than whatever the next thing that you're listing is, is the first time you drop the Hammer of Dawn. Oh, man. Like, that is just on another level. Dom, drop the hammer. And then it just, like, blows some shit. Up. Oh, God, man. I love the Hammer of Dawn. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Like, if you're comparing third-person shooters, you're really going to have to show up to get me to say that Gears of War isn't better than that. Yeah, 100%. I yeah. agree. Well, uh, Sam, that is all we have for today's episode. Thanks for hanging out with me. If people want to find you and your lovely content, where can they find you? Oh, you can find me at Jam Pack Sam everywhere there is content. Twitter, threads, Instagram, TikTok, uh, all the new emerging platforms. I don't know. We'll see what, what comes out next week. But uh, yeah, been good making content, talking about games. And uh, I'm tired, man. A lot of games coming out, a lot of videos to make on them. So been good times. 
Absolutely. Uh, you can find me over on X at the Muffin Mon. It's a 1-7-I and own 7-A. Follow us at Save Game Media. Get your entries in for our Spider-Man Digital Deluxe giveaway. And if you want to support our Extra Life, the Spider-Man 5 Collector's Edition, we are giving away every $10. Gets you an entry. We're going to go do our Patreon post show where we're talking about our top 25 games of all time, which will sure to be fun. So if you are a patron, stay tuned for that. If not, We'll see you next week. Goodbye.